You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. To this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show on Community Radio 3CR, broadcasting from Naram, Melbourne, Australia. We're proud to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the previous hour of Current Affairs. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're little half-hour weekly radio program broadcasting from 3CR Radical Radio and we're about cycling, bicycles, bikes, urban transport, active transport, micro-mobility and how many other terms I can cram in here. But, you know, the simple act of getting around without a combustion engine and all the connected topics and issues in between. Now, on today's show, I'm going to be chatting to... Tina McCarthy and she's from Wheel Women and when I was um, doing a little bit of a background on the show I realised that the first time I spoke to Tina was back in May 2013 which is you know getting on for 10 years ago seeing that today is oh I have to look that up it's Monday the 13th of March 2023. So, yeah, and uh, yeah, she's been on the show quite a few times over the years, and also uh, Faith and Val have had a chat to her as well, but uh, this week we're talking about, you may have heard over, you know, it's a reoccurring topic of the Westgate free, uh, not freeway, the, the Velo Way that has been constructed, and it actually kind of builds into broader topics of how infrastructure is built rarely when you know uh, focused or uh, the sort of thing of cycling infrastructure is built if I can get my words around the right way for a uh, public holiday on a Monday morning where I guarantee I absolutely guarantee that you've had a more relaxed start to the day than I have I'm not going to go into that, but it's at least I'm here. But uh, what I'm getting back to is how infrastructure for cycling and active transport is planned, implemented, budgeted, even if it gets there. Because uh, a lot of this show is around this topic and is it fit for purpose? And what do you mean by fit for purpose? Uh, would you ride on something? Would you use it? Because there are... An, unintended consequences of building infrastructure or and therefore you know it's there it's it's in situ would you use it now this uh, velo way which i've discussed on the show a bit it's 2.5 kilometers four meters wide and apparently has two exits 
And there's been, uh, again, as we'll discuss in today's interview with Tina about this, of things of passive surveillance. Would you use it? Do you feel safe using it? Do you feel like you're connected to your local area? And a whole bunch of other important things about how we move around our city, designing cities for people, and again, being uh, quite general and simplistic, but this is really at the nub of this conversation, is are our cities meant for people to live in? And you go, what a stupid, uh, simplistic thing to come out with. Of course they are. We live here. Well, if you look at the way we utilise our streets, the ways that marketing and... Oh, I'm kind of uh, really kind of grasping and trying to kind of put this into simple terms of you actually feel fear every time you walk out of your front door or do you feel like your day can just progress without having to kind of consider all these other implications of speeding cars, traffic that uh, behaves itself like, again... If you're here in around Melbourne, you would have heard about the incident that had occurred on the weekend up here in Carlton with, again, with uh, the passive language which is used to denote when car things happen, we'll call them car things, of the, the passive language of a vehicle without the driver included, but we always put in how many people are injured or killed. Are our cities designed for people or are they designed for throughput and is Melbourne really suffering badly in the uh, post COVID world, or really it's not post really, because we have a a phenomenal amount of infection and that's still occurring. But again, we have this uh, throughput mentality to the detriment of, do you feel safe using your streets? So that's enough of me kind of padding out the issue after the break. I'm going to be chatting to Tina and the issues thereof around how we plan our cities. 3CR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. Today on Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR, catch-up interview with Tina McCarthy from Wheel Women. And we were just talking in the intro there when we were just having a chat. We first spoke almost 10 years ago on the show. It was May 2013. That is truly amazing because I can't believe it. Wheel women would even be going for that long, but we have been, yeah. Obviously, the, the question I've got to ask is like, you know, the things you've done and the changes you've seen. Wow, so many changes. It's been unbelievable. When I look back to where we started and um, those first rides with just a few people, a handful of people, and now we've seen hundreds and hundreds of women come through. Will women over the last 10 years and definitely changes there. Um, there seems to be, was well, certainly a lot more women coming through from what we had back then, but also 
particularly over the lockdown period as a, a, I guess I sensed a, a level of desperation from women to want to learn and know more and get involved in cycling. So I've been pretty happy that we've been able to provide a little bit of a space for for some of those women. Yeah, including that lockdown two years later, 2015, we had a chat about um it was the then Cycling Victoria, which has now become oh, Cycling Victoria, you know, because of the changes at that level of uh, 10 myths about women and cycling. And the things you, you were doing and you're still doing to break down ingrained perceptions and, you know, allowing conditions where women feel as if they can ride. Yeah, and that's always been, I guess, the the main focus because it was certainly something I faced when I got into cycling was all these myths about what I should and shouldn't be doing and I thought well why why should I have to do this why why are people telling me these rules and I guess having not come from a cycling club background I was just a woman who picked up a bike and said I'd like to do this um there were no preconceptions for me so um I think those barriers that we that often get talked about to me were just you know media grabs and a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think that the barriers that women put up for themselves are often things that they just read in the paper and they actually haven't really thought too too far beyond that. Well, speaking of media, about a week ago, you were interviewed by Nicole Asher, limited escape routes on a new Melbourne bike path for safety risk to women cyclists. So we're talking about the Westgate Vela way and the Westgate thing has been in the media for the last month or so because of pretty tragic reasons and critical mass went there and we're talking about the tragic death of Angus Collins and what we're talking about today with the Velo Way predates this but it shows how when decision makers do these top-down decisions uh, they actually listen to the stakeholders and you had some very good points to make in that article when to talk about this piece of infrastructure because I've, I've had some pretty strong opinions about for, since I first heard about six, seven years ago. It's been an interesting one and it's funny because uh, when it first raised its head, uh, you know, with council information and that kind of thing coming out, I suppose in a way I didn't really pay that much attention to it. I thought, oh, this is great. There's going to be a new path. And it wasn't until I actually saw photographs of it in the paper sometime down the track that I remember commenting specifically, you know, over lunch looking at the paper saying to my husband, are you kidding? I would never go on that. That looks really creepy. I don't want to be in there. And so I kind of just didn't really think too much about it. But the more time went on, the more I started hearing other women say similar kinds of things, not specifically about that that particular place, but when I mentioned it to others and said, have you seen that design, do you reckon you'd go in it? And it was pretty pretty common across the board to hear that actually women are not feeling very comfortable about that up. Yeah, Because it was first kind of muted around about 2016, 2017, and there was a few articles upon it, people remarking about, the piece of infrastructure it was going to was it? Uh, I think it's either probably be constructed or built or it's in in progress right now between Footscray and Docklands. It was going to be two point five kilometres long and four metres wide, and what two escape? Yeah. <laughs> <entrances>. <laughs> now, comparing that to 
what is one of the most utilised bits of infrastructure I know in the inner north, which is the linear trail bit that goes around North Fitzroy, North Carlton, very heavily utilised. And like, you know, during COVID, Yarra Council did a thing where people could contraflow on Park Street to get a bit of the cycling traffic off it. But it's got everything. It's got exits. It's at grade. You've got lots of visuals. You've got lots of turn-off mm-hmm. streets. It's probably, yeah, a bit more lighting. Uh, some of the crossings need to, you know, it's not perfect. Everything can be worked upon. But the linear uh, trail, which was part of the old inner city circle railway, it kind of ticks all the boxes for what you would expect to be a good, safe piece of infrastructure at grade. But this velo way thing is seen as some type of, you know, for fast cyclists who want to get from A to B without really thinking about would someone actually use it? Coming to 3CR on the 13th of March is Rainbows Don't Fade With Age. Rainbows Don't Fade With Age, presented by VELS LGBTI Ageing and Aged Care, sharing stories and information to empower and inspire action for all those interested in the health, well-being and visibility of older LGBTI plus people. Rainbows Don't Fade With Age on Mondays at 2pm every fortnight on 3CR. design background I used to be a designer and happened to live with an architect and I guess my first take on it was somebody's tried to design this to make it look really cool and funky but they haven't really thought beyond that and it makes a great graphic with these beautiful big green bits on it but to be honest yeah that you when you make that comparison if there's no passive surveillance I don't want to be in that space I want to be where somebody can see what's going on and if I need to put my hand up and say, somebody come and help me, please, I need assistance, then I want that. I don't want to be hidden in between these green walls in a four-metre-wide space where there's very limited opportunity to get away. You would know this in the design space of how many people, I don't know, just a bit of crossover, did you just say there's a lot of male-centric thinking? And I'm not meaning this as a nasty criticism, but they're not taking in what you've said about passive vigilance or being able to see or, you know, your sight lines, all these sort of things. They're just thinking of design without unintended consequences. How much well, is that kind of male thinking or are we going somewhere else with this? Well, I, d- I don't know. I, th- I guess when you look at there was an interesting t- statistic brought up by Lauren Pearson uh, who's studying a lot of um, cycling infrastructure and she made the comment that only 15% of the designers working in this particular landscape um, are female. And I thought that's a really interesting point to pick up on because I actually don't think that that particular design has taken into account how the wider population might be using that space. And you made the comment about this is for fast cyclists. Well, that's great. And it might get you from point A to point B really quickly. But what about those women who we see who have only just got in the, got on their bikes recently mm. and that four metres wide space is actually feeling really narrow from just the, the difficulty of cycling in a straight line. But then added to that, 
the physical safety issue. So I, my question when I thought more about this was who's designing these? Who is Who have they spoken to? Because I sure haven't had anybody come and consult with me. And I get people asking me questions, all kinds of organisations asking me questions about various safety aspects all the time. I consult on cycling safety and write papers for people on cycling safety, but nobody ever came to us, and I'm not saying they should, but the question is, were, were women consulted on this? Are the decision makers kind of actually got the parameters wide enough? And I don't think they have. You know, they kind of, you know, for one of a better way of trying to describe this, it smacks a bit of bloody desktop research, doesn't it? Oh, I think so. And yeah. one of the funny things was that uh, when I brought this up as a topic or a, as a bit of a contentious issue among people. They said, oh, but there's going to be CCCTV there, so what's your problem? What? And I was like, CCTV is really great. It gives you lots of facts after the after the incident. Yes. But when I'm there and something is happening to me, a CCCTV is not going to be doing anything to help me right then and there. So it doesn't mean anything to me. Absolute rubbish argument. A camera is a surveillance thing, but it's not a design. It's not designing out anything. It's just, it's simply observation. Yeah, and it's it's a, totally the wrong process. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they, they say it's, an, it's a deterrent for anything that might go on. Well, I'm not sure how much of a deterrent that really is when you only have to look around what goes on in the city mm. um, some nights and you think, well, that camera sure wasn't a deterrent. The US and the UK under AUKUS are pushing Australia into another imperialist war. At the same time, whistleblowers who expose war crimes are jailed. Come to the rally and march for peace, truth, not war. 18th of March, beginning at 1pm State Library, marching to Treasury Gardens. Help build a people's movement for peace. No AUKUS Roundtable is a 3CR supporter. In the article we, we just talked back to, where you were organising a ride for Will Women and you did not feel like the beginning of the ride or part of the route was really fit for purpose or you didn't want to take people through there. Can you talk a little bit to that? Yeah, so we used to do a ride. We'd go down Beach Road in the mornings and we would meet at Docklands at, I don't know, I think it was 6.30, 7am. That required from where I live going through the, along the Capitol Trail, which or the Mooney Ponds Creek, where it dips underneath the City Link Road above, some little dark spots in there and not much lighting and I was riding through that in the dark and I had a couple of incidents and it was on a kind of rotating basis that I had somebody jump out at me once, I had a couple of guys who were clearly on something hanging around in a very dark location that made me feel very uncomfortable and I also had somebody expose themselves um, and in the end I just I'd had it I just said I'm not going to do this anymore and I'm really sorry guys I don't want to run that ride anymore because my choice 
I could have kept running the ride, but my choice then was to take a completely alternative route that would actually put me on the road in some really heavy traffic. And when I have to make the choice between do I go for safety from a traffic perspective versus my personal safety, it's not a choice I should even have to make, really. So I canned the ride, unfortunately, and We've never run it since because I didn't want to go through it and I didn't want other riders coming through that same situation either. Is this like down the tail end of Mooney Ponds Creek where it kind of gets a bit um, gets a bit dystopian down there with all the underpasses and stuff? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, I used to hoon through there 20 years ago, but it's probably a different time and place. Like mm. We're also discussing this of like if you've grown up or your user experience is different to someone who's coming into it. Sometimes, sometimes our observations aren't really valid because someone who's a vulnerable user might have a completely different perspective to someone who goes, oh, I can just shrug this off. I'm a rugged individual. And I think invariably that's a problem with a lot of cycling design. They, let's just say it, they are, or they or whatever top-down, I'm trying to be quite general here, but the, the top-down design-making processes are looking at sports cycling, recreational. They're not kind of catering to stuff that I see around the inner suburbs, which is families, mums, kids, yeah. e-bikes, e-cargo bikes, a completely different thing to running around on a road bike. And look, I've got a foot in both worlds of do this with Yarrabug. I've got a I'm president of a little cycling club, so I can see both sides of it. But again, with things like the Westgate Velo Way, we're having the wrong type of mentality being put into the design process. It's not something that's fit for purpose for a wide range of either walkers or people who ride bikes because it's a very well, broad range. I, I totally agree. And I, I think that that's one thing that one of the comments I did hear was um, bloody cyclists whinging again about not having it good enough. They think they should have the whole world. It's not just about cyclists. This is actually about women who might be walking on the path, men who might walk to work on the path as well. I know it's meant to be a cycling route, but people will walk on that path. You don't know who's going to be hanging around in there. It doesn't make it a very user-friendly space for a whole bunch of people. And so it then puts those people who, who are the users, and let's just take the cyclists from for a moment, when you're, again, when you're making a cyclist make that decision about do I go on the road with the trucks and the cars to get to this point I need to be at, versus going on the, the velo way where I feel uncomfortable from a personal safety point of view. It's not a choice that we really should be having to make. It should have been designed in a way that caters for so many groups, whether they're cyclists, walkers, women, males, um, whatever. And it could be road cyclists, people on cargo bikes, families with kids on towing them on the back of their big cargo bikes. And yep. I think that, that is completely lacking in this design. Boobab Jazz. The Milky Way looks good in the night skies. The stars open a short for my dark eyes. Complex hey, I'm Lady Lash. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, the voice of the sex. 3CR is so awesome, giving the platform for people's voices to be heard and people's gifts to be heard. And always remember that you are amazing. 
I'm dreaming of the seven moons. Oh, I see what's new. I've heard this so many times. Why aren't traffic engineers put on a bike and made to go ride what they've designed? We've seen you know, generational change. But I think there's still uh, it's a car-centric mentality. The whole environment has been designed for you. Pedestrians, bike riders, we're seen as an optional tack-on. And if we do, you know, it's like we want to see more people cycling. It's this thing of, oh, you've got to pay for it all. You know, this is some really, really simplistic arguments yeah. which actually don't bear, just don't hold up under, oh, you know, no what we need is fit for purpose things that are easy to use have health benefits, have pollution benefits, environmental benefits. The unfortunate bit we all come to with this stuff is the political will and uh, can, you know, can you turn a coin out of it? And when it comes to things like active transport and PT, our decision makers have really, really dropped their priorities on it. I mean, in terms of, okay, oh, we build lots of PT, not enough, not enough at world-class, not enough at frequency. You got your car, you get in the car, you go and do whatever you want. But all the all the costs and all the responsibility are back on you, even though it's been designed for a car-centric mentality. Why can't we have multiple different options to get about? And one of the things that I keep coming back to is that there's so much research around now that says that the more women you have cycling is the indicator of it being a safe city, yes. not just safe, safe from personal safety but it's a safe cycling city as well and I can't believe how this whole discussion around this velo way has completely lost view of that whole concept and what research is actually available out there because if you're asking women to use that kind of infrastructure where they're just saying hey I don't want to be there that's this looks unsafe then you've completely forgotten about that whole side of what makes a safe city. And that's, as I, again, as I said, it's not safe about, I'm not talking about safety from a, a traffic point of view. I'm doing, talking about just a general safe city. Do I feel comfortable being in this space, whether I'm a cyclist, a walker, a woman out shopping? You know, it's that's what we've got to look at. So if we get more women on bikes, we're indicating that we've actually done the right things as far as all of this infrastructure goes as well. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, on digital and online, 3CR Radical Radio. On the positive things, what has Wheel Women been up to recently? Okay, so what have we been doing? Well, we've been running more classes, as we always do. So, uh, in fact, we just ran, ran a basic bike mechanics for women on the weekend. So that's always good fun because it's funny. I always see women come along and say, I can't take the rear wheel off my bike and I don't know how to change a flat tyre. And it's just such a great feeling to see them conquer that skill and hold the wheel up and say, yes, I did it. So it's a really simple thing, but it's so empowering for women. So We've been doing that. We had a tour to Japan last year. Uh, wow. Which was, yeah, our first one in a few years, so we'd missed that and it was fabulous to be back. What else have we done? Yeah, just riding, riding, riding. That's what we've been doing. So yep. what's the basic structure of Wheel Women now? 
Yeah, we've got, gosh, I think it's eight or nine ride leaders now. And so we're running rides in different locations all the time. We still have our different levels of rider from those who have just dragged the bike out of the shed and want to have a little toodle around the block or the park. Uh, so we run rides at that level and right up until, gosh, well, we did a 50K ride. It's not hugely far, but a 50K ride through the burbs along the Gardener's Creek and Anniversary Trail the other day. And uh, we'll do some bunch rides on the road too for those that want to do it. So we have a little bit of everything, but we have stopped doing the rides that are the really big rides, mainly because we feel as though... That's probably been the biggest change. We we felt like we were trying to do tick too many boxes for too many types of cyclists. Mm-hmm. So we're just looking at what do we do best? And what we do best is getting women started, building their confidence and getting them going to the point where they might one day say, we're good enough. I want to go and join a club. I want to do this. I want to go and, you know, ride with my husband in the French Alps or something. We just build that confidence until they're ready to leave the nest and go and do other exciting things. Well, simply having the ability to go, oh, I can't be bothered with the car today. I think I might go out and do the school run yeah. with, a, with an e-cargo bike or something. You know, it's just exactly. building in those possibilities because, as we said in the previous part of the interview, everything's laid on if you've got a car, but if that ease of use or ease of introduction for if you want to get around by mixed mode is difficult and will women is kind of helping those pathways of and and yeah. one of those one of those changes has actually been the amount of e-bikes we've been seeing in the group too. I think that's really been a real game changer for a lot of women who have suddenly said, Oh, I can do this. There's a lot of e-bikes in the group now. We we think it's great. Flattens out those some of those really horrible suburban roads. What's the best way to get in contact with the Okay, Either. We've got the Facebook page, which is Wheel Women Australia, and we've also got the website as well, and you can always shoot us an email uh, or message us via the social media and get in touch with us, and we'll give you the details on how you can actually sign up to do rides with us. Pretty easy. And that's all I've got time for today on Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. And yes, you were listening to a fair bit of uh, Depeche Mode uh, when we were discussing um, what sort of music we want to put into the into the interview. We both came up with Depeche Mode. Hey, and they've got a new album out in a couple of weeks' time. So yeah, sometimes it's great being an 80s kid because some of these great bands are still around and I'm really looking forward to this new album. Anyway... A bit of news that uh, well, we've been covering on the show for the last couple of months uh, is that there's um, the Victoria's Big Build has done a response to the Footscray Road cyclist fatality and that new traffic signals have been now switched on at the Footscray Road and Docklink Road uh, intersection, making it safer for pedestrians and cyclists, cyclists to cross Docklink Road. And the updated uh, signals mean that vehicles, cyclists and pedestrians won't have a green light at the same time. 
why wasn't it done in the first place? Because, again, uh, Footscray Road uh, has been used by cyclists and pedestrians for a very long time. And if you listen to John Simmons from Bike West a few weeks ago with Val and Faith, he knows the history and why wasn't things, you know, why, why do we have to wait for fatalities for these things to occur? As again, I mentioned in the intro to the show, you know, a, a terrible incident up in Carlton on the weekend. We have, you know, uh, all levels of government do know that there are ways to make our streets safe for people, but they choose not to. Okay, up next is Shebop, followed by Blacklock. Val and Faye should be back in the studio next week. And don't forget that our podcast should be up at yarrabug. I'll start again, 3cr.org.au forward slash yarrabug or on demand or uh, there's the community radio app as well where you can listen. Thank you for listening today. CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro's Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.